to give you a special gift out at our Welcome Center, so thanks for doing that. Uh, Shanti mentioned, and Shanti was our guest a few years ago, and uh, I'm going to take a little bit of her research over these next two weeks as we uh, look at a series called Love Handles, and we're going to get a grip on our relationships. Uh, we're into the Valentine's Day time of the calendar right? Hello? Wake up call. You got a few days. Uh, Get busy uh, if that's news to you. So over the next two weeks, we're going to talk about relationships. Whether you're married or not, these will help you. Uh, Many people will get married one day if they're not married right now, and so most will, and so many of those will not last. But how many of you know the quality of your life much is reflected by the quality of your relationships, right? If your relationships are quality, you feel like your life is quality. In other words, your relationships can make you or break you, right? There's relationships that we have that bring joy. I mean, you can have some great joy. You can have some peace. You can have some awesome moments with people. How many know you can have some stress? You can have some frustration. You can have some pain. You can have all kinds of crazy and drama with relationships. In other words, your relationships can be enduring but not endearing, and we want them to be both. So the determining factor, research shows this, uh, determining factor whether wives feel satisfied with sex or romance or passion in their marriage, 70% is based on the quality of the couple's friendship. For men... The determining factor is by 70% the quality of the couple's friendship. So we're not that much different on that one. You know, and here's how I think marriage starts out. It it starts out, uh, many marriages start out as friends. It's friendly. It's, It's developing a friendship. But somewhere over time, it transfers into maybe business partners, working on debt, working on paying bills. It, it transfers over to being parents of children and caretakers of them or caretakers of your aging parents. Or you transfer into being Uber drivers for your kids. Uh, and it just seems like you're constantly on the road. Or nowadays, uh, it seems that many parents are event planners because every birthday has to be epic. And you have to be able to show all your friends on Instagram how awesome of a parent you are because of how phenomenal the birthday uh, explosion was and uh, all of the other events that come along with it and you just kind of one-up all the time. Well, research shows that happy couples, 90%, kind of like what Shanti was saying, 
of the couple survey said they spent a lot of time together. If they're happy couples, they spend a lot of time together. Well, we don't need necessarily research to tell us this. Way before Shanti ever came along or before any other marriage books were written, God came up with the idea of friendship. He came up with the idea of marriage. The very first marriage was based upon friendship. So the first human friendship was between a husband and a wife. And we're going to look at the very first human relationship ever on this planet and, and it goes in, uh, or comes from Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18, pulled up on screen. If you don't have a Bible, here's what it says. The Lord God said, it is not good. Now, now here's why this stands out. And if you're not familiar with the creation story of the Bible, every day of creation, God has said something. He has spoken the world and light and all these different things into existence. But then after he did that, he would say something. And he'd say, that's good. That's good. If I do say so myself, that was good. That, that sun, that, that's good. Those stars, that, that's good. But he, he says something different here. When it comes to man, he says, it's not good. That's the first time God says this. It's not good. What? What's not good? It's not good, notice this, for the man to be what? Alone. It's not good for him, because he can't find his socks. Come on, somebody. (laughs) He can't find his keys. He's messed up. So, So for the man to be alone, I will make a helper suitable for him. That word suitable means someone of likeness, someone who, who fits well with him, someone suitable, that, that just a, a companion that, that just complements him. And, and so God says, you need somebody, you need someone, even if you're single, whatever, even beyond marriage, you need somebody else. We're a friend, listen to this, a friend of God, but God knows you need other friends. You need other people in your life. Yes, we, we need God in our lives, but we need people in our lives, and God's answer for that was another human being. It was another person, and specifically, it it was a wife. He needed someone beside him. Now look at the Song of Songs, chapter 5, verse 16. Here's what Solomon wrote. This is my lover, and this is my what? Friend. I think that's a great description of a great marriage, don't you? It's two things, my lover and my friend. And, and, and then we don't have just one or the other. They go together. As we said, 90% or excuse me, 70% of marriages said, you better be friendly with me if you think you're going to have that lover part, right? 
You better get that other part figured out uh, first. God declares that, that we need a friend in our lives. Now, first of all, we work on our friendship with God. That's the most important, uh, to be a friend of God. If you're here today and you don't feel like God's friendly with you, I'm telling you, he showed you how friendly he was when he came down here and died for you 2,000 years ago. The Bible says greater love, no one's shown than this, than a person would lay down their life for their friends. And so he did that for you. So God's already made the first move by, by coming down here and dying for you. Now we can be his friend. But beyond that, we also need to have friends with each other. And a lot of people here would say, well, you know, I want great friends. I don't think anybody here would say, no, just really don't need any friends. Just like being lonely. You know, no. We all want great friends. Here is the key to having great friends. The key to having friends is being friendly. It, it, the answer's in the mirror. Hello? It's not outside, oh, these people at church or these people at school or these people you know, in my neighborhood, if they'd just be friendly. No, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the answer's in the mirror. A man who has friends must what? Show himself friendly. You gotta be friendly first if you want friends in your life. I have never seen a friendly person be lonely for very long. But if you're not friendly, if you're judgmental, if you're self-righteous, if you are stuck on yourself, then it's no wonder you don't have friends. You've got to show yourself friendly. Don't accuse somebody else of not being friendly. The Bible says, mm -mm, it's not their problem. It's your problem. Boy, it's quiet in here. <laughs> Am I hitting a nerve or what's going on out there? Come on, talk to me. I mean, it, it, the Bible says, no, 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 no. Don't pass the blame. Don't say those people aren't very friendly. Don't say those people are cold. Those people, my wife, my husband, whoever it is. No, the Bible says you need to look in the mirror and you need to be willing to pay the cost. And guess what? Friendship is costly. It's going to cost you time. It's, gonna, it's probably even going to cost you money because you're going to put your money where your mouth is, right? But in a culture where we're encouraged to be selfish, this is not easy. Where we're to look inward. You know, our culture that, oh, you know, uh, be yourself and, and you're number one. And, and, you know, it's important about you. And you, you, you got to be happy yourself. Let me tell you something. You don't get happier looking inside. You get happier looking outside and getting with other people. Relationships are huge. But relationships, marriage relationships based on sex, statistics show, won't last, generally speaking, more than five years. I, I would say that's pushing it, what I've seen. And if they're based on money, 
and possessions and greed and things like that, then, then they're, they're going to collapse eventually as well. But if you build a marriage, if you build a relationship on friendship, let me tell you something, it can endure hell on earth. It can endure all kinds of junk, all kinds of crud that can come up in your life. And how many of you can have some of that come up in your life, right? It, it can come up in your life. You didn't ask for it. You didn't volunteer for it, but it just came up in your life. And the Bible says that friends are there for us. If one falls down, the other can pick the other up. And so we need that kind of relationship in our lives. And that's the reason why, too, uh, let me just say that we emphasize small groups around here. We call them life groups. And tonight, I'll meet, Rochelle and I will meet in our life group. We don't lead our life group. We just go to one, just like we expect you to go to one or you to lead one and, and host one because we believe that People matter, and relationships matter, and friendships matter, and I'm telling you, life's just better with other people. It is. It's just better with other people, and if you'll get the right people around you, it's amazing how much better it can be. So, today, I'm going to help you next week. I can't wait for next week. Next week's huge, okay? Okay. It is huge. I mean, this one, this one next week trips up a lot of marriages, a lot of relationships. Don't miss next week. As a matter of fact, bring five people with you next week. And especially if you know some people struggling in relationships and things like that, make sure uh, that they're here next Sunday. But we're going to look today at how to build a friendly fire. Okay, uh, I mean passion in our lives. And how many of you, you would love some friendly fire as far as, you know, you'd love some heat, you'd love some passion, you'd love, and even if it's not romantic, just warm friendships, right? We all long for that. And God knew that. He says, this guy isn't going to make it alone. He, he needs help. He needs somebody else. And we all need Somebody to lean on, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. We're not going to sing it, but we believe it. All right. How to build friendly fire. Here's the first thing. If you're taking notes, write this down. You, you need to be fruitful. Th this is what great marriages and great friendships have. They're fruitful. Friendship, listen, he, let me define it for you the way the Bible talks about being fruitful. Here's how, how we should be. Friendships exist, number one, to glorify God. That's it. It's not, oh, he completes me. You know, that, that's not it. Because if you're half a person, you need help anyway, all right? I'm just saying. If you're, not, if you're not already whole, you don't, nobody else is going to help you out. You need to be a whole person first. And, and so that's not what it is. What, 
what we're ultimately here for, what the church even is ultimately here for, is to glorify God. It's to bring honor, to bring glory to him. So marriage doesn't exist for you. If you're going around, if you're single and you're looking for marriage and you say, I just need somebody who will be what I need them to be. Let me tell you something, you got it reversed. Okay, that, you need somebody who, who is unselfish and you're unselfish. And you get two unselfish people together, you're already way ahead of the game. All right? And we'll get to that in a moment. But I'm telling you, fruitful, what happens in our culture is we have replacement theology. We put idols in our lives. We put pleasure. We put possessions. We put money. We put all kinds of stuff. We put all all manner of things in the place of where God ought to be. And as a result, it's no wonder a relationship struggle. They're off on the wrong foot already. God commanded something in the very first message. Look at this. In Genesis, he says, be fruitful. And and there's a lot of different words that could be used for this. One of the words that could be used for this is flourish. And I don't know about you, but whenever I see that in the Bible, I get excited about it. Because it reminds me of our theme verse around here, John 10, 10, where Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. I want you to flourish. I I don't want you just to exist. How many believe that when Jesus comes into your life, it it just kind of gets a little bit better? How many believe maybe it got a lot better? And it's getting better every day. And it's going to get really better one day when you get before him and see him face to face in all of his glory. Come on, somebody, right? I'm headed there. How about you? And so he gives us some heaven to go to heaven in. And that's the reason why the children love to crawl all over Jesus. Because he was a happy person, I believe. I don't think he's some old fuddy dud. That kids would run away from that guy. I'm not going to him. But they, they crawled all over him, and the disciples said, We need to get these kids off of him. He said, No, everybody ought to act like this. This is how I wish everybody's acting, spinning around, dancing, and whatever, you know, carrying on all excited about life. When's the last time that you acted like that? When's the last time that you were just delirious in relationship with other people bringing fruit to God? We exist, listen, to bring fruit to God. And that's the reason why the enemy hates fruitfulness. When God said this to the couple and said, just just get out there, have fun, enjoy life, and live life to the full, I mean, no, it wasn't long, and the serpent came along. Tried to mess that up. And I'm telling you, the serpent is still trying to mess it up today, right? I mean, no, that he can, he can try to 
wiggle in to your marriage. He can try to wiggle in to your relationships and mess them up. And so God wants you to take joy in your relationships. Look at what else Solomon said in Ecclesiastes. Now, I'll have to tell you how this, how this book works after we read this, but here's what he says. Go, eat your food with gladness, drink your wine with a joyful heart, for it is now that God favors what you do. Always be clothed in white and always anoint your head with oil. Enjoy, everybody say enjoy. Enjoy life with your wife. Don't just be existing. We're, we're hanging on for the kids. Oh, praise God for that. You know that? Oh, wow. You know, we're, well, I, I, I'd rather fight than switch, you know. Or You don't do that. That's not what God's will is for your marriage. Hello? That's not God's will. He says, enjoy life with your wife, whom you love all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun. Now, notice that phrase, under the sun. All your meaningless days for the, how many know Solomon might need some, some espresso or something? For this is your lot in life and in your toilsome labor under the sun. If you don't know this book, uh, Solomon is saying, if you only had hope in this, this world, it'd be depressing. That's what this book says. This book of Ecclesiastes. It says, under the sun, under the sun, in other words, on the planet, there's just not much here. I mean, so you work and work and work and work, and then your kids get all your money. (laughs) And they waste it. (laughs) Screw it all up, mess up their lives. Wow. Isn't that great? He he just talks like that. And he says, you know, on this planet, there's just not a lot of hope. There's not a lot of great stuff, you know, under the sun. But how many of you know we're not living just under the sun? It's because of the S-O-N that we have life beyond the sun, beyond the horizon, beyond what this world has to offer. There is hope in Jesus, right? If you believe that, give God a shout of praise right now. Come on. So, so, so here's, here's what Solomon says. Solomon says, so get with it. Just get with it. Quit, quit complaining and just get out there and enjoy it. Enjoy one another like you used to when you were dating. So here's how my wife and I have figured out something that helps is date night. Is still dating after all these years. Still acting like she's the one. And I'm the one. And going places together and experiencing new things together. And if you say, well, Craig, we just don't have much money. Well, let me tell you something. Shanti said, it ain't about the money. The, the happy couples, not many of them didn't even have hardly any money. But they just got together. And they just figured out, if you got small kids and you say, Lord, nobody wants my kids. Well, find another couple that's in the same predicament. Nobody wants theirs either. <laughs> and, and one week, you take their 
lot. (laughs) And next week, guess what? You get ours. You could do something like that. There's a lot of creative things if you want to be. Let me tell you something. You can't fix everything. I, I got to move on. But, but you can, you can, Solomon says, enjoy life. You can do this. And you can be fruitful. And you can glorify God with your life. And here's the second word to write down. Not only fruitfulness, but also unselfishness. The first couple were unselfish. Marriage, again, is not about you. Genesis 2.24, God said, you've got to leave your family. A man will leave his family and cleave to his wife. So you leave and cleave. Everybody say that. Leave and cleave. So so you let go and hold on. And and what you do is you, you... you put your family to the side. They're not as important as that spouse. Hello, somebody. You, I, I know mom raised you, did all these wonderful things for you, but, but mom's going to be gone one day, okay? And you need to invest in this relationship that's till death do you part right in front of you. And, and so you, you've got to leave and cleave. And... and uh, here's how you know a bad friend is when it's all about them. When it's all about them. What, a, a good friend is when it's all about you. And you walk away just feeling good to have been in their presence. Here's how Paul put it in Philippians. Look at Philippians, what he said. Do nothing, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. How many, th- this verse alone be a challenge this week. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others, what? Better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interest of others. You, you've got to get focused on them. And a devoted friend puts their Issues aside for a moment for the benefit of their friend. The Bible talks about weeping with those who weep and rejoicing with those who rejoice. So if your friend or your spouse who ought to be your best friend, if they're weeping, you get to weeping. And if they're laughing, you get to laughing. Whatever they're doing, you just get right in there with them. How many love a friend, they'll just get in there with you, right? They don't, they don't have to try to fix it. Boy, I, I have to tell, after all these years of marriage, I still have to tell myself, Craig, quit trying to fix that. She doesn't want you to fix it. <laughs> Amen? Come on, ladies, right? She doesn't want you to fix it. <laughs> That's not what this is about. See, phony friends are all about, oh, I want to suck the life out of you, right? That's what I'm here for. You know, just, and, and just, just take everything. And, and, and here's the thing, you get blessed and they just want to suck the blessing right out of you. And, and what you've got to do is you've got to watch that and because and, and, a real friendship just, 
It ebbs and flows. It gives and receives. And good friends walk in when other friends walk out. And a devoted friend is there in all seasons, the Bible says, and builds oneness, intimacy, and trust. And that's what happens. You are more trusting of people who will be there regardless of what season you're in. Right? The people who are only there when it's good, you know, you can't trust those people. But you can trust the ones who are there no matter what. And so here's, here's just a helpful hint. I've talked about this before, but I just want to mention it again today. Did you know that love is a verb? It's a verb. In our culture, we talk about love like it's a noun. So what we'll say is, oh, he fell in love. Like it's a place. Like it's a, you know, you can locate it on the map. He fell in love. So then, if you can fall in love, then we'll say stuff like this. Well, I fell out of love. Like it was a tree. You know? How many know you can fall out of a tree? But the Bible says you can't fall out of love. You, You... Love is a verb. The Bible doesn't say, you know, one of the verses people love in their wedding vows is to talk about, you know, love is from 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and how wonderful and beautiful love is. And and it doesn't say love is something you fall into. It doesn't say love is something that happens to you. Love said... The Bible says love is something you do. And this is why, this is why you can love your enemy. Because <laughs> you can't fall into loving your enemy. But Jesus didn't say, now fall into love with your enemy. No, he just said, do it. Do it. And if you can do that, you can love your spouse that way, no matter what's going on, no matter what's happening. See, if you have that kind of love, here's the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22 says the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. And let me tell you something. Some of us need a little bit more Holy Spirit. And some of us need a lot more Holy Spirit. You just figure out which one you are, all right? A lot more Holy Spirit in your life. So Paul says, so seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So the Bible nowhere commands us feel loving. It just says, love your spouse. And if you want a comparison, husbands, Paul says, love them like Jesus loved the church and gave himself for it. And there's your picture of how you can love. All right, here's the next one. It's to be near. All right, so be fruitful, be unselfish. All these things uh, we see in the very first message, uh, our very first marriage, and then to be near. God made Eve from Adam's side to be beside him. 
She did not make him from his head to be over him or his heel to be under him. Listen to this. She made him from his, I believe this was intentional. She, he made her from his side to be beside him. And God's intent is for marriage to work as a partnership. We need that kind of partnership in our lives. Walter and Laura, come up here. I ask these guys if they help me out. Just real quick, just stand up here. And, and here's, how marriage, here's how marriage ought to work like this. Is, uh, Laura, you face that way. And Walter, you turn around and face the other way. Okay, back up till you bump. All right. Oh, that was, that was quite a bump there. All right. You, you all right, Laura? Okay, all right. So, so here's how marriage ought to work. Just an illustration of how it ought to work. A good marriage, you have each other's back. See, you, you're side by side. And, and you see this, how many, how many, you've seen some good movies where two buddies were shooting it up back to back? How many know that's a good movie? All the men say, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right? So, so I mean, you can take the enemy on when you got somebody covering your back. And a good husband covers her back. He watches out for her. He makes sure that, that she's you know, being covered, that no one's coming to, to abuse or be misused. His wife, this is his woman. Come on, somebody. And he's not going to let anything mess with that, right? Yep. And same thing. She's not going to let anybody mess with her man. Nobody's going to. No, you, mm, you can mess with me, but you don't mess with my family, right? You don't mess with my guy. And, and so that's what a good marriage does. Now, now also spin around, turn side to side. All right. Now, here's how the woman was created from the man's side. How many know that men love being side by side? This is how men do. This is how men hang out. Men say, hey, let's go fishing. How do you fish? Like this, right? You know, let's go bowling. Let's go golf. Let's go, let's work on the car. Let, let, right? Yeah. This is what men want. Ladies, this is what men want. <laughs> Hello? This is what men want. Right here, you, do you see it? Side by side. So you go, you'd have fun, you hang out. Let's go do something. You know, that's, that's what men like. Now, here's what women like. Turn face each other and look eye to eye. <laughs> All right? This, it, men, this is what women want. All right? They, they don't want just side by side. They want to get all up in it, right? <laughs> How do you feel about that? How are you feeling right now, you know? And you're like, I don't know. <laughs> so I don't even think that way, you know? And ladies, when he tells you, I don't, when you say, what are you thinking about? And he says, nothing. He's being honest. <laughs> Men can do that. 
Think about nothing. <laughs> but this is what women want, right? Is eye to eye. Is because she's after this right here, right? I want your heart. I, I want you, I want your attention. I want your affection. I want you tuned in to me. I want to know that I'm more important than what all these hundreds of people out here and everything else going on. This guy waving his arms all around and everything. You're, I'm more important. You're locked in. You're you're listening to me. Give these guys a big hand, will you? Thanks. So here's what you got to do. It's just real simple. It's not complicated. It's what Shanti said. You just got to make time together. But here's the problem. Our culture's doing everything to keep you from doing that. Your kids have never been busier than any kids on this planet. And now you've got social media so you can see what a lousy parent you are because you don't take your kids everywhere every five minutes of the day. Wow. How do your kids even make it? Probably going to wind up, you know, derelicts or something, you know? No. Let me tell you something. You got to spend time together. And and here's what you got to do. You've got to intentionally do it. You've got to intentionally slow down the pace. That's the reason why my wife and I make time for a date night. That's the reason why we will get away at times and, and, and leave, leave everything and go off somewhere. And let me tell you something. Before we could afford to do that by ourselves, we go stay with other people. And yeah, it's not as convenient, and you got to help do the dishes, and you got to help whatever, and, and maybe help cook the meals at their house and whatever, but you do whatever you got to do to do this, because this is important. And if your marriage is going to make it, let me tell you something, you've got to work on the friendship. And here's the thing, I know there's so many things to work on, and so many things going on, but... Here, here's my experience, all right? Here's, here's my experience. If I work on the friendship part, it's amazing how the other parts kind of come together. You figure that out? If you'll, if you'll work on that, it's amazing how much of the rest of it will sort itself out. And it's because we're better together. We're better together. Here's... Here's the thing, let's wrap this up, is this message is really all about have fun. (laughs) Did you notice that? It's have fun. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life to the full. And your marriage is going to be a reflection of me if it looks like fun. If it looks like it's thriving if it looks like it's flourishing, you might just get somebody who'll stop you sometime and say, how long you guys been married? And you say, however many years it's been. And they say, oh my gosh, well, what, what's the secret? What, what, what's the key? Oh, it's, it's a lot of things, but it's mostly both of us are friends with Jesus first. And then we're friends with each other. 
Let me tell you something. If you'll get that, it'll work out a lot of the other stuff, right? If if you'll be friends with Jesus and you'll be friends with each other. Now, here's here's how I want to wrap this up. There's some people here that may not be friends with Jesus. We're going to take communion in just a few moments. And it's a showing of what a friend we have in Jesus. But if you're here today and he's not your friend, I don't want you to get any further in this service than this before committing or having the opportunity to commit your life to him. Let's pray. Father, help us today to be better friends. Some of us need to really work on this because in a culture that tells us it's all about us about our feelings and about how what we're going through and how we need to really search inside ourselves and all this stuff. God, we know that just leads to emptiness. It's just like Solomon said. It leads to meaninglessness. There's nothing meaningful to it. So God, help us to do better. Maybe you're here today and you say, Craig, I want to do better. I want to do better. I want my marriage, or if you're not married, I want my friendships to reflect and glorify Jesus in and through my life. How many raise your hand with mine and just say, yeah, that's what I want. That's my desire. Hands all over this room. Father in heaven, help every marriage today. Would you, would you just come and help every marriage to reflect you, God? And those who aren't married, God, I pray that every friendship, every relationship we have will honor you. It'll glorify you. And and people will wonder how we get so good of relationships. And it'll be to your honor and to your glory. While we're still praying, there could be some that are here that maybe your friendship with God either has been strained or it doesn't exist. I mean, you, you may say, Craig, I, I, I don't really feel friendly with God. Maybe you never have. Or maybe you have, but that was a long time ago. And maybe you're here today so that you can get close to God again. So that you can develop that friendship with Him. He wants to be your friend. He, he wants a relationship with you. And if you're here this morning and you want that relationship yourself, will you just raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. I, I need that in my life today. How many are here? You just raise it up and say, yeah, that's me this morning. All right, down here. God bless you. All right, let's pray this prayer, church family. Everyone praying together, just say, dear Heavenly Father, Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me, to patch our relationship. What sin destroyed, Jesus fixed. Through his sacrifice, I believe I'm free to worship you and to live for you. So as much as I know how, I surrender my life today. Thank you for coming in and giving me a new beginning. From this day on, I want to serve you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Church family, let's praise God for those who made that commitment. Listen.
We're going to take communion right now and celebrate what Jesus did for us on the cross. The communion cup and the bread. Just uh, let uh, those who are serving you come around and they're going to pass these through each and every aisle and uh, row. And make sure you take and hold the, the bread and the cup until all of us are served. And then we're all going to take it together. Take it as one big family, as one community together, a community of faith. And uh, just thanking God for his friendship. Just aren't you glad that he's your friend today? Aren't you glad?